Your Brain on Weird is recorded in private homes, in a state where marijuana is recreationally legal. This show's content is intended for adult audiences only. Welcome back to Your Brain on Weird. I'm Sam. I'm Jess. And this is a podcast about the paranormal and weird stuff. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Weird stuff and weed. Yes. So thanks for tuning in. How are you doing today, Jess? Uh, I'm still stressed because we're still packing up our apartment and still getting ready to move. And we, like, have an inspection coming up, so we're kind of freaking out about that still. But uh, overall, everything's been good. I mean, I'm, like, mostly just excited. I've been planning out, like, how we're going to organize all of our rooms and our new place. And yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it. Nothing really, nothing else has really been going on. I feel like I've been spending a lot of time doing nothing. <laughs> And, like, yeah. struggling with the fact that I'm spending a lot of time doing nothing. Yeah, I feel that. So, yeah. You, however. <laughs> yes. I finally got a new job. Yeah. And I'm really stoked because now I work at a smoke shop. On brand. It is very on brand. I was, like, <laughs> went in for my interview and I was like, this is very interesting because I'm very passionate about weed. Yeah. Actually. <laughs> you should check out my podcast. Um, my manager is a witch. She is our age and she is wonderful and amazing and, um, a very nice person. She has a dog named Quest and he hangs out in the shop with us and I will also be able to bring Ruben into the shop with me when I work and I'm very excited. Wow, that sounds great. Yeah, yeah. So it's been a long week so far because I like got hired on Thursday and then worked on Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Today's Monday. I work this afternoon. I work a full full day tomorrow, and then I work Wednesday morning. So six days in a row for my first week. That's a lot. It's a lot. So yeah. I am I am tired. I yeah. am tired. Especially um, after like going a little bit not working, it's kind of hard to like get yourself back into it. Thanks. It's been like five months. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oof. 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 Yeah. Woof. So I've yeah I've been tired. I slept for like six whole hours the other day. Wow, that's a lot for you. Yeah, it is. I mean, last night I slept for two, but Mm. that's more normal. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, so that's been really nice, though. But I haven't seen Nick all week. So the first day I get to hang out with him this week is on Wednesday night for D&D. But that's that's okay, because we're going camping this weekend. Yes! It'll be really fun and nice, and I'm really excited to see you and your parents and the dogs and get Ruby some friends. Oh, I have a feeling her and Moja are going to get along so well. And Jazz, dude. (laughs) And Jazz. I feel like she and Jazz. Of course, Jazz. Yeah. Yeah. They're just going to, like, chill out and, like, waddle around together. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah. (laughs) My parents, my parents have three dogs, and one of the three dogs does not get along very well with other dogs, inter- interestingly enough. So, uh... Yeah, the good thing is, is that, um, 
Ruby is not dominant at all, Mm-mm, so yeah. if CJ tries to, like, do anything to her, Ruby's just going to back down. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I'm really excited to see her and Moji together, though, because um, I, like, feel like Ruben is maybe part, like, Australian, Australian Shepherd, Shepherd yeah. because she's got that, like, modeled pattern and I just want to see them together. They're going to be so cute. Oh, my God. I'm so excited. <sighs> oh, my God. We're going to have to post post some doggo content. Yes. Stay <laughs> tuned. Follow our Instagram for doggo content. Yes. <laughs> uh, yes. Yes. Sick. Sick. And that is that is all that is going on in my life right now. But yeah. I'm very happy to be back at work, I got to say. It feels nice to be doing something. Yeah, I uh, I was a little jealous at first when you told me. So. <laughs> I I know I texted you this, but I uh, yeah. I like I was like, oh my god! I was like, Sam got a job at a smoke shop, and Jeff was like, oh that's cool, and I was like, yeah, that's really cool. I was like, I'm actually really jealous, and Jeff's like, you know, you could do that too, and I was like, er, <laughs> you're right, you're right. <laughs> I could do that. I could do that. <laughs> <sighs> much yeah. to think about so i did kind of actually like the day after i kind of like went and poked around on the internet to see if there were any like smoke shops or anything like that hiring um near where we're living and i didn't find anything yet but like well at least you can keep an eye out on exactly, uh, out exactly. For it because it's not like you need a job at this very second exactly um, and i feel like i feel like that's like relatively low risk my like only concern would be like people who who vape and smoke all the time coming in and like coughing all over everything but, I mean, it's not like working in fast food or in a grocery store where you're just, like, constantly at risk. Shout out to those people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm very lucky. And um, we, like, do require people to wear masks when they yeah. come in. And we are pretty um, strict about, like, sanitize- sanitizing and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I got to kick someone out for uh, not coming in with a mask. So that was pretty Nice. Fun. Nice. Like, Excuse me, sir. You can't be in here without a mask. And he's like, "Oh, well, I have a health condition." And I was like, "I'm really sorry. Like, there is like no exception to that." Sorry, shop policy. Um, <laughs> it's actually town policy and state policy and state policy. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, like you, the town that it is in, you can get like a five hundred dollar fine for walking down the street without a mask on. Yeah. So. I'm not upset. (laughs) Uh, Jesus Christ. Well, that sounds great. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm really looking forward to uh, continue working there. And uh, sick. I've learned a lot more about CBD recently, and I'm going to be learning a lot about that because that is one of the biggest things that we sell there is CBD. Oh, cool. Which is crazy. That's awesome, though. Yeah. Did you know you can smoke it? Did you know you can get like. Like flour? That yeah, looks, like yes. CBD hemp. Like I didn't know that, and I was like, "Wait, you can like smoke it?" I was like, "Yeah." <laughs> I was kind of like trying to describe that to you last week. Like I was like yeah. trying to describe like it's weed without the THC. Like it, that's like it. Yeah. But it's the flower. It's so yeah. weird. It's so weird because yeah. you look at it and you're like, "That's weed. That's gonna get me high." And then you're like, "Wait, it doesn't." It doesn't get you high. It just gives you the benefits of CBD. And like I told Nick that, and he was like. Nick doesn't smoke weed. Yeah. Um, I could see Nick smoking smoking uh, non-THC weed. Exactly. He was <clears> like, I think I would be interested in trying that. Yeah. And I was like, really? I was like, I'll get you some. Hell yeah. You know who else has been smoking it? He's been smoking the pre-rolls, but um, 
Ross has been smoking like CBD pre-rolls. Oh, yeah? Yeah. And he said that it's been because he like has a lot of issues with anxiety and stuff like that. And he said that it's been like really helping him. Plus, he's like diabetic and, you know, has like all that has like a few other conditions that like make life difficult. And he said that that's helped. So that's awesome. Yeah, I definitely want to I definitely want to invest in some and try it. I will definitely uh, try that out and tell you how it is. See it. Because I would love to uh, maybe sleep better. Yeah. Because THC only goes so far. But Mm. uh, CBD is a lot more effective for sleeping. So we'll see. Maybe it won't fuck up your dreams so much, too. Or oh my, my, my God. dreams. My dreams, oh my not yours. God. <laughs> I got to tell you about the dream I had last night. <laughs> Holy shit, I forgot. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm telling you, dream segment, man. <laughs> Welcome to Your Brain on Dreams. Your dreams on weird? Your dreams on weird? Your brain dreams on, I don't know. Keep going. Yes. <laughs> I'll work on it. <laughs> um, so, I had a dream that I was at work. And, like, the first thing I know, I was, like, it felt like I was waking up, but I was sitting on the counter at work. Oh. And I, like, looked down, and I was, like, where am I? And, like, this felt so real. It felt so real. I was, like, am I asleep right now? And I was, like, I don't think I'm asleep right now. I, like, really thought I was awake, and I really thought I was at work. And Oof. I like looked I looked down at my watch and it was like 10:36 and I was like okay I'm definitely supposed to be here right now but I was like I don't know how I got here. Yeah. <laughs> I like don't remember anything. I like don't remember waking up. I don't remember driving. I don't remember opening the store, but I like looked over at my manager and I was like what is happening and she's like what are you talking about? <laughs> Like, oh no oh no like, and i was like i like don't know how i got here i was like i'm so confused right now and she was like trying to calm me down she was like sam like it's fine like you've been here like i like don't know what to tell you but like you've been acting fine like you were fine just like Ooh. a minute ago and i was just like what the fuck is happening so i like was just like walking around the shop and i kept checking my watch because it looked dark outside it was like dark and it, it was like it was the middle of the night and i kept checking my watch and it was like you know 10 45 10 48 11 o'clock and it's time to open and then i look up in the sky and it's still dark but there are three moons Whoa. and <laughs> i was like i am pretty sure i'm still asleep but <laughs> i it like doesn't feel like i'm asleep i was like pinching myself and it oh. like it was hurting and i was just like panicking like freaking out i was freaking out in my dream god and then i like woke up because um nick woke me up so i could take the dog out this morning when he went to work and i was just like sitting there and my heart was just like pounding oh my god for like 15 minutes and i was like that was the fucking scariest thing that i've ever done i really thought i just like lost like five hours of my day like I don't know what happened to it and like I was like driving and I was like unconscious or something like that I was like I have no idea what happened and it freaked me out a lot yeah (laughs) Jesus Christ I don't like that I did not like I'm very glad it was a dream (laughs) question mark I'm oh man also um so my manager's name is Kelsey she's a dream person too and she was telling me how like she's like predicted a couple of her friends deaths 
And I was like, that's really sad. That is really sad. I don't like that. I was like, man, I have like some prophetic dreams, but I've, um, well, I've only predicted one person's death. But um, yeah, so like, I can't wait to go in today and be like, I have a dream yeah, to tell you. Yeah, I was going to say, you need to tell her this. You need to tell her. Yeah. Oh, man. Holy shit. Yeah, yeah. It was be like, so weird. Be like, if I ever do this. <laughs> like, please, like, lie me down in a corner or something. Like, holy shit. Yeah. Yeah. It was really, Oof. really uncomfortable. Yeah, that it sounds was crazy. very less than ideal. Wow. Jesus. All right. Yeah. So that was my dream from last night. <laughs> nice. So clearly work has been stressing me out just being there, just being back. Yeah, I mean, that's like kind of what I was thinking is that maybe you felt like out of place, you know, like in your dream, you felt like something was wrong. And maybe like since you're getting into a new like habit of like and you're getting into a new habit and you're in a new place and you're seeing different people and it's been however many months since you've had to do this like you're in a familiar area and it can like be uncomfortable so maybe that was just like yeah your brain's way of processing that i don't know yeah. that's so weird yeah i had i've never been that convinced during a dream that it's yeah that i was awake, awake. yeah yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't like that yep like, I have, like, chills, like, talking about it. I'm like, I'm very uncomfortable right now again. Like, my heart is starting to beat fast. Like, got okay, some well, weed. I was going to say, smoke some weed. Also, how much water have you drank? This. That's okay, it. Okay, well. Is that a giant cup full of water? It is a giant cup full of water, but it's, I've only drank, I want to say a third of it. Yeah. Oof. I mean, I, I, like, took Ruby for a run this morning and everything, and when I got back to my house, I was like, I'm gonna chug some coffee. Of course. I mean, that's what I've been, yeah, I'm, I go straight for the coffee, man. I just don't want to get a migraine. I get so scared about getting a migraine, and if I don't have coffee, I get one. Oh, that's the other thing. Caffeine dependency is a bitch. Yes. Also, yes. Um, I've been having, like, a Red Bull every single day at, at work. And Kelsey's favorite type of Red Bull is the coconut one, too. And I was like, <sighs> okay, I'm pretty sure we're soulmates. Yeah. Um, yeah. And she does have a kid and he is turning eight on September 13th. Oh, wow. Her birthday is September 11th. <gasps> so they're both Virgos, which is crazy. But yeah. they're both born in September, which I thought was crazy. Dude, thir- 13, man. September 13th. 13, it's a 13, good one. It's a good one. It's and a good one. And he's un- like, he's like adorable. He is the most like grown up seven year old ever. And I haven't met him yet, but like she's shown me like a couple videos of him. And I'm just like, that is a sophisticated small child. Hell yeah. <laughs> he uses like big words and like he like wants to be an adult. And it's like, I'm like, this is cute, but like, you're definitely still a kid, which yeah. I appreciate. Yeah. Nothing makes me happier than finding out that somebody has a kid and then finding out that the kid is just doing great and, like, is, like, open, is, like, super open to learning shit and, like, growing up and stuff like that. Yeah. We have, like, we have one, uh, one couple of friends, um... Yeah, who kids? Yeah, that their kid is just, like, insanely fucking smart, like... We'll be sitting there talking to him and he'll say something like I remember we were at the beach one day or something like that. And 
Jeff, he and Jeff were talking about something and he turned to Jeff and said something to him. And Jeff just like was just standing there with his mouth open being like, what just came out of this kid's mouth? I don't like, I wish I could remember what it was, but it was something that like a 10 year old should never know that kind of vocabulary. You know what I yeah, mean? So, yeah. I do remember you telling me about that. I feel like it was something like having to do with psychology or something. Oh like that. yeah. It was something yeah. really deep and like philosophical yes. and mm-hmm. like, oh my God. Um, And then I talked to uh, his mom that same day after it happened and she was like i can't get him to stop reading books like when he goes to bed at night he's reading a book and like i'll tell him it's time for bed like lights out whatever and then i'll come back in and he'll have his book open again like he just like does not stop reading and i'm like i fucking love that respect (laughs) respect Respect. so much respect oh so good so good well i hope uh i hope that this (sighs) blossoms into a beautiful friendship me too me too. Um, considering she's like best friends with my old manager at the bakery, who oh. was also my best friend. That's how I got the job. So. Oh, sick! Okay, yeah. Okay, that's yeah. awesome. So that's it's awesome. all gonna come together. It's all like really, really great, and I'm nice. Glad I've kind of uh, found a job that seems like it's gonna be a really good fit. Yeah, man. For at least a little while, and maybe yeah. my online presence will pick up. And I don't have to get a second job. (laughs) We'll see. That's the dream, man. That is the dream. I would love to be able to just do this, like do research and record and edit and all that shit, like half for half the time, and then get another like really cool part-time job that I love. Like that is the dream. Yep. So, I mean, we'll see. We'll we'll see how it goes. In the meantime, do you want to tell me a story? (laughs) I do. I do. Okay. All right. Sorry, that was a... That was a long intro, but I think it was, I think it was interesting. (laughs) Okay. So I wanted to talk about this week, remote viewing, which I don't know how much you know about remote viewing, but. I know about it in the context of Project Pegasus. Okay. I don't know if you remember um, talking about that when we talked about that episode. I do. Yeah. That was episode uh, two. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it feels like it was like fucking forever ago. So that's one of the reasons why I wanted to talk about it because I like felt like it might be really cool to go a little bit more in depth. If you haven't listened to episode two, um, that one that episode includes a lot of you know talk about very similar topics. So if you haven't listened to that one yet, maybe go listen to that one first. But I don't think it's necessary. Anyway, no, or listen to it afterwards and you can link get it some together. Additional context. Yeah. The other reason why I picked this was because, um, so we talk about Hellier a lot for a bunch of different reasons. Um, if you have not seen Hellier, I highly, highly, highly recommend that you go and watch it. It's like pretty much the thing that like got me so absorbed into the paranormal. Um, it's on Amazon Prime and it's on YouTube, but there is a YouTube video from a company called Crypto Viewing or a group called Crypto Viewing and they remote view cryptocurrency. Oh. And apparently during one of their experiments, they remote viewed the Hellier Goblins. What? <laughs> what? And, and the results were like completely mind blowing. Um, Greg and Dana from Hellier did like a live stream the other night and they were like freaking out about everything that they had predicted because they had predicted it before the release of Hellier. And it was just 
absolutely crazy. So I know I sent you that link. I think I sent you that link a couple of days ago. If I didn't, you should definitely watch it. You should definitely watch it. It's really, really cool. So anyway, so that's why I picked this. And also because I think it's going to end up connecting to a lot of other things that we're going to want to talk about later and that we have talked about. Okay. So remote viewing is the practice of seeking impressions about a distant or unseen target purportedly using extrasensory extrasensory perception or ESP, which is quote unquote sensing with the mind. Um, It's an ability that allows the, quote, viewer to be able to describe a remote geographical location several hundred thousand kilometers or more away from their physical location. And this is a location that they've never been to. Mm -hmm. Remote viewing is generally considered a pseudoscience. Um, Pseudosciences are statements, beliefs, or practices that are claimed to be both scientific and factual, but are incompatible with a scientific method. So, for example, anti-vaccine activism is one of those things that's technically considered a pseudoscience. Homeopathic remedies is another one. And um, a lot of times pseudosciences can be harmful. And those two are a pretty good example. Mm -hmm. So that's just something to consider. So early history of remote viewing. (laughs) Um, In early occult and spiritual writings, remote viewing was otherwise known as telesthesia and traveling clairvoyance. A lot of early experiments just were one person, like a single recipient in a lab. At this point, it was just an attempt to draw or describe a scene known as a target observed by a, quote, sender from a location outside of the lab. And this study started in the mid-19th century by researchers such as Michael Faraday, Alfred Russell Wallace, and William Crookes. They were focused on experimenting on specific individuals who were thought to be psychically gifted. So Project Pegasus, Mm. like same Mm -hmm. thing. These like psychically gifted kids, they're just experimenting on them. Just poke them around and see what they do. Yeah, casual. The 60s were a different time, you know, man. And reports of successful tests were immediately met with criticism from the scientific community, obviously. Of course. It's a pseudoscience, incompatible with the scientific method. People are like, nope, I get it. So in the 1930s, J.B. Ryan, a botanist and the founder of parapsychology, tried to introduce the idea to more people, but was reluctant to publish his work out of fear of criticism. Uh, In the 1960s, new interest was found in the subject along with the New Age movement. So during that period of time, there was more interest in consciousness and psychic phenomena. So more people started to kind of try and like figure out what all this was about. And it just like blew up. So... The term remote viewing was first suggested by Ingo Swan in December of 1971. Do you know who Ingo Swan is? No. Okay. He is a claimed psychic artist and author. He, in 1975, 1976, he was hired to remote view the moon. Okay. And a lot of what he's done has been classified, like, up to a certain point. Oh. Who was he hired by? That's the thing. Um, when you listen to a lot of the, a lot of like interviews with where he talks, like I listened to one on YouTube from like 1999. You know, the guy asks him a question and he he has to be vague about it. And he says, well, you know, I, I'm not allowed to say anything. I'm really sorry. I can't say anything until all this stuff is declassified. And he's like pretty vague about what he's doing. So we don't really get like a whole lot of information. Yeah. Which is suspicious suspicious and he like when you listen to him talk he like sounds like he's pretty grounded in reality like he sounds like a pretty normal guy um 
a lot of times when he's talking, he'll he'll describe something that he's been through, and then he'll say, "Well, a lot of people don't believe me because so and so and so and so," and I understand that. But the particular interview that I listened to got really interesting because he started to ask the question of, well, why did the Soviet Union and the United States not go back to the moon after they spent so much money getting there to colonize it? Yeah. And so they were like talking about that. They were talking about how there was a lack of high resolution photography on the moon. I mean, the technology didn't exist when they first went to the moon, I guess. Um, This was in 1999 that this interview was done. So like at this point, they're talking about like, essentially... He's kind of trying to drop hints as to why he had to remote view the moon. Oh. Yeah. And saying like, well, you know, if high resolution photos were to be released, there could be some pictures that would pop up that people would make, like, it would make people question their place in the universe because they would see things that don't belong. Yikes. So that's essentially like the hint that he was dropping through this whole interview. And he says that he wrote a book about what he viewed, but nobody picked it up because the concepts were, quote unquote, embarrassing. Hilarious. So he has a book, but it's not published. Um, he does have one book called Penetration. Yes. And it, yeah, I hate that word, first of all. <laughs> Still not a good enough use for the word penetration. Yeah. And it's actually on my Amazon wish list because I wanted to read it. Um, and mm-hmm. I don't know if that's the particular book that he was talking about when he was talking about it during this interview or if he wrote a book prior to that and he just never released it for whatever reason. Um, so anyway, but Ingo Swan is important to us right now because he co-created remote viewing along with Russell Targ and Harold Putoff, um, parapsychology researchers at the Stanford Research Institute. So... In the 1970s, Russell Targ and Harold Putoff did their experiments at the Stanford Research Institute, and they took Ingo Swan to a large uh, magnometer to see if he could change the readouts of this machine. Okay. So <clears throat> there were some fluctuations in the readouts, but there was no evidence that it resulted from anything that Swan did. Um, and the builder of the machine said that, like, the fluctuations that they saw and the changes that they saw were completely normal. So these experiments didn't really give them any like clear evidence that this was working. Right. Um, but they did come out and say, oh, Ingo Swan, you know, changed the readouts of the machine. He made it fluctuate. And it kind of made people go, well, mm. but did he? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Another person who underwent numerous trials with Targ and Putoff was Yuri Geller. I was not ready for this guy. I was not ready to learn about Yuri Geller. Uh, and I didn't know he existed. And Jeff apparently did. I oh. like tur- I like turned to Jeff and was like, do you know who this guy is? And he's like, oh, yeah, he's blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay. So he is an, illusion- an illusionist, a TV personality, and a self-proclaimed psychic. Like I said, he he underwent a bunch of trials. And he apparently spent six weeks at Stanford Research Institute with these two guys. So... There was an article published in the journal Nature in 1974 that detailed the results of what they had gotten. And after that, Yuri Geller went on to just like get super famous and he talked about his gifts in remote viewing. And later he became more popular because he was altering the form of metal objects with his mind. 
or spoon bending. Spoon bending. Oh, he's the spoon guy. He's the spoon guy. <laughs> okay. But this is it is a common form of stage magic. So Oh, okay. He's not the only one that does it, I don't think. Um he's still active and at times he uses the evaluations from his remote viewing experiments to substantiate the claim that he's like psychic. Yeah. And he also claims that his feats are the result of paranormal powers given to him by extraterrestrials. What? Yeah. Aliens came down and they zapped my brain. So now I can see the future. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Another fun thing is that in November, 2000, uh, Yuri Geller sued Nintendo for, (laughs) Uh, $60 million over the Pokemon species Kadabra. What? Why? Because he bends the spoon? Yep. You didn't invent that, kid. He claimed that it was an unauthorized appropriation of his identity. And he lost that suit. An agreement has not yet been reached as of 2020, from what I saw. That was in 2000. So it's been 20 years, and they're still kind of just like, well, I mean, mmm. So anyway, uh... Okay. He's he's done some other crazy shit, man. This guy is like, oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> in February of 2009, Geller purchased beaches that Robert Louis Stevenson is said to have described in his novel Treasure Island. Geller claims that buried on the island is Egyptian treasure bought there by Skoda, the mythological half-sister of Tutankhamun in Irish mythology. He claimed that he will find the treasure using dowsing. You know what dowsing is, right? Yeah. Like dowsing rods? Yeah. Geller also claimed to have strengthened the mystical powers of the island by burying there a crystal orb once belonging to Albert Einstein. Okay. Yeah, that, that I don't know what to make of that. Okay. In 2014, a 12-foot-tall statue of a gorilla made from approximately 40,000 metal spoons was in- unveiled in Geller's Berkshire Garden by the Duke of Kent with the intention of possibly re- relocating it to Great Ormond Street Hospital. Um, apparently, many of the spoons that this st- gorilla was made out of were donated by school children from around the world, and it was meant to go to this hospital. Um, when he was speaking at the unveiling, Geller said, quote, this will not raise money for charity. It will do something better. It will amaze sick children. Get your head out of your butt, Yuri. Are you kidding me? Which is extremely, like, that is, like, that (laughs) is, oh my god. Yeah. These children don't need money. They don't need money. They need a spoon gorilla. They need to be amazed with my spoon gorilla. Spoon gorilla. I'm sorry. Also, I'm very (laughs) confused about the donation. How we, like, school children from around the world sent him spoons? Did he make this? Or did he commission it? Like. Apparently the Duke of Kent put it in his garden, but he was going to relocate it. So I have okay. no idea. Um, I, t- I guess I should say again, my source is Wikipedia. So like, Jesus. okay. <laughs> I didn't look too far into the spoon gorilla. I just, okay. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm caught <laughs> no, up okay. on the spoon gorilla. Wait, I have, one, I have one more thing for you though. Okay. He also appeared in May, 2002 on the reality show. I'm a celebrity. Get me out of here where he was the first to be eliminated. Uh, <laughs> they got him out of there. He was like, get me out of here. And they said, okay. Okay, goodbye. So 
I posted something about Yuri Geller on Twitter, and I realized that there are a lot of people that really like him. I don't want to make it seem like I'm just trying to, like, shit on this guy, but he's done some really fucking crazy shit, and he said some pretty crazy shit. He seems um, a little dumb, you know? <laughs> he, mm, yeah, so... I also saw that you posted that, and I had a feeling you were going to be talking about him, yeah. so I didn't read the thread at all. <laughs> Good, I'm glad. Anyway. Oh, Jesus Christ. So, this guy... Who said all this crazy stuff and can boon and can boon spends. He can <laughs> bend spoons. Yes. They wrote about like their experiments with him in this journal called Nature. And the editor of Nature accepted the report as an example of work being done in parapsychology, but noted that others had rejected the idea. So he was like, hey, this is what's happening. I've realized that like it's a little, you know, hmm, we're not really sure, but here it is anyway. And he did bring up the fact that there was lack of substantial substantial evidence, problematic data collection, weak statistical calculations, etc. You didn't even get good statistics, man. Yeah. And you can bend statistics to your will. So, I mean, like, if you did that like you did spoons, then maybe someone would believe you. (sighs) Statistic bending. Anyway, so... um, Two psychologists named David Marks and Richard Kamen attempted to replicate Targan Puthoff's experiments, but were unsuccessful. Um, this prompted them to investigate the procedure of the original experiments, and they found that the notes that were given to the judges contained clues that were the reason for the experiment's high hit rates. Interesting. So, another issue is that Targan Puthoff had consistently refused to let these guys see copies of the transcripts. Which is just, like, automatically a huge red flag. Like, if somebody's asking you for your research and you're straight up saying, like, no, you can't see this, and not really explaining why, it's one thing if it's a privacy issue, but, like, they were straight up saying, like, no, you can't see the transcripts. Like, Oh, because they rigged the results. Yeah, that makes sense. So... Marx suggested that the participants of these experiments are influenced by subjective validation, which is a process in which correspondences are perceived between stimuli when they are purely random. So essentially just being like, these two things mean something together when they really don't. Yeah. You know? In his book, Flim Flam, great name. Wow. I love that. (laughs) Yeah, me too. James Randi detailed common occurrences in the lab, such as peepholes and walls, overly helpful lab assistants, and incautious conversations between researchers. So this was just like whatever experiments they were doing were just a fucking mess. Like there was no structure. It was just like, it was just a fucking mess. So <laughs> this guy who wrote Flim Flam also wrote The Truth About Yuri Geller, challenging Yuri Geller's claims. And he was able to duplicate his performances using, like, typical stage magic techniques. Oh. Boo. Boo. <laughs> this guy was, like, I actually, when I was researching Yuri Geller, I found a lot of stuff about James Randi. Apparently, like, that's just what he does. He's a skeptic. So he, like, goes around, you know, exposing yeah. people who were not necessarily being, you know. <laughs> I respect that. Yeah, me too. Thanks, Randy. So the one kind of, like, unfortunate thing about this is that this article, after all of these people spent all of this time saying, like, this, you know, this experiment had no structure and it was a mess, it attracted the sponsor- sponsorship of several groups, and one of those was NASA. What? <laughs> yeah. In the 1990s, the Defense Intelligence Agency appointed Army Colonel... William Johnson to manage a remote viewing unit. So here's where the government gets involved. And God damn it, CIA. Woo-hoo! So 
The funding lasted until 1994, and the project was transferred from the DIA to the CIA. So first it was the Defense Intelligence Agency, now it's the CIA. And their interest in this was influenced by reports that the Soviet Union had successfully used devices to augment psychic communications during the Cold War. So. Okay. (laughs) Just Cold War stuff. Just Cold War things. (laughs) Just Cold War things. In the, like, swirly font. Um, (laughs) Now let's talk about... Stargate Project. <gasps> I know a little bit about this. Okay. Or Project Stargate, which is what we call it both. But I like the Stargate Project. <laughs> <laughs> when I looked it up on uh, on Wikipedia, it was like, not to be confused with the 2004 film Stargate. And I was like, thank you. Or the series. I guess Stargate. so. Yeah. Stargate everything. It's fine. Stargate Atlantis <laughs> used to be my dad's favorite show. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. I also yep. had that, like, as a uh, like offshoot of Project Pegasus that I might have wanted to talk about someday, but I'm glad you're talking about it. Oh, okay. Well, I'm sorry, but <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so Project Stargate, Stargate was essentially what popularized remote viewing mm-hmm. because in the 1990s, the documents about this project were declassified. Project Stargate was a $20 million research program that started in 1975 and ran through 1995, and it was sponsored by the U.S. government. Um, It was an attempt to determine any potential military application of psychic phenomena. So, one of the people involved was Major General Albert Stubblebean. Wow, what a name. name. And he required all of his battalion commanders to learn how to bend spoons like Yuri Geller. So he was ta- teaching the people below him stage magic. Oh. <sighs> what a prerequisite. <laughs> he also attempted feats such as attempting to walk through walls. So here is how the experiments worked. And I found this in a CIA document on remote viewing that was the result of a FOIA request, a Freedom of Information Act request. FOIA! FOIA! Not to be confused with the entryway of a house. If you're Bostonian. <laughs> it's a foyer. Foyer. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, <clears throat> their experiments were as follows. Quote, a team of 12 people rotated roles in viewing of 12 targets. The 12 targets were sampled from a pool of 30. One author would select the target and give the envelope to the target person who would arrive 30 minutes later and remain there for 15 minutes taking notes. The subject, with the experimenter, tape-recorded target descriptions. The experimenter prompted the subject as necessary to obtain greater target detail. Three blind judges then matched the transcripts to each target as they visited them. One judge was told to select the single best transcript for each target. The other two rated each transcript on its similarity to the target and their confidence in the ratings. That's essentially how it worked. Okay. And like I said, that comes from like the CIA document. So that's how they ran this whole thing. Um, so now we can talk about some of our participants. Joseph McMonagall of the U.S. Army, otherwise known as remote viewer number one. Ooh. <laughs> he was the first personnel recu- recruited for experimental remote viewing. Um, he retired after 20 years, and then he continued to work as a consultant for the project until about 1993. So he was involved for, like, a pretty long time. 
And after that, he went on to be a speaker at the Monroe Institute. Um, and then he started a remote viewing business aimed at the corporate world called Intuitive Intelligence Applications Incorporated. Interesting. This business serves to help people like quarry operators know where to mine for the best materials, so on and so forth. <laughs> okay. It's almost like, like th that kind of reminds me of like dowsing again. Dig here for best results. Yeah. yeah. So I guess that's what he does now or what he did after that. Um, McMonagle claims that he has remote viewed into the past, present, and future and has predicted future events. He apparently predicted the location and existence of Soviet Typhoon-class submarines in 1979, and satellite photos confirmed that confirmed its existence in 1980. So okay. he predicted where these subs were going to be a year before they were actually there, and then they found there were photos of it. So that's pretty cool. So I like read a little bit more about this guy and he claims that remote viewing isn't always accurate, but it has been previously able to do things such as locate hostages and downed airplanes. Interesting. So beneficial. McMonagle's future predictions included the passing of a right to work bill, a new religion without the emphasis of Christianity, a science of the soul, a vaccine for AIDS, a movement to eliminate television, and a temporary tattoo craze that would replace the wearing of clothing. What? <laughs> All of which were supposed to take place between 2002 and 2006. Okay, well, I don't remember <laughs> any of that stuff happening, yes. so I guess... <laughs> All of that sounds pretty great. That's far out, man. Very far, far out. out. Very far out. <laughs> far what if they're out, What if they're just like off on the dates and like just gotta wait a little longer? Maybe. The vaccine for AIDS part sounds nice. Now we have a preventative vaccine, I guess, for AIDS. That's and true. And there's also what the fuck do they call it? Prep. Yeah, prep. Mm -hmm. For HIV. Yeah. yeah. So we're we're on our way. We're on our way. <laughs> but we're in 2020, so, you know. Sounds like he maybe just took hot button issues and was like, yes, <laughs> everyone is going to be naked except for tattoos. Temporary tattoos. Temporary tattoos. Which, like, honestly, that's like, so you get up in the morning, right? And you have, like, instead of a closet, you just have a ton of those, like, sheets of the like temporary tattoos and you thumb through them and you're like i think i'll wear this one today and when you get out of the shower you just <laughs> stick them on. i'm gonna have a dragon over my left titty i'm gonna have a snake over my right and then i'm just gonna put a giant flower pot right on my butt perfect be great i'm imagining like i'm just imagining like vines and shit kind of like yeah. uh poison ivy yeah that's what i need all right. Here for that. Yeah. I support that idea. I hope that happens during my uh -huh. lifetime. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, all right. So another participant was Pat Price. Um, he was a former police officer and a Scientologist. Interesting. Yes. He joined the project after a chance encounter with fellow Scientologists Harold Putoff and Ingo Swan. Um, I don't know how long both of them were Scientologists. This was just kind of like thrown in there, but apparently these two guys were Scientologists at the time of all of this. Um, I don't think you leave Scientology. Yeah. So, so it did, it said Scientologists at the time. I don't really know what's up with that. So. Well, Ingo Swan is dead. Ingo Swan. Yeah. Um, but. I don't, I don't know if this other guy is still alive. We can. Interesting. Yeah. Maybe we can dig a little bit more into that when we talk about, uh. 
Scientology. Yes. Eventually. Um, so Pat Price claimed to have been able to get information from behind Soviet lines, and he is best known for his sketches of cranes and gantries that matched CIA photographs. Okay. And apparently Price had also remotely viewed four alien bases on Earth, one of which was located under Mount Zeal in Australia. Ooh. Price believed that the base contained a mixture of personnel, quote, from the other bases, one purpose being to, quote, transport new recruits with an overall monitoring function, quote. The other bases were said to be under Mount Perdido in the Pyrenees, Mount Inyangani in Zimbabwe, and coincidentally in Alaska under Mount Hayes. Price described the occupants of these bases as looking like homo sapiens, except for the lungs, heart, blood, and eyes. What? So I guess those four things were just wrong. I don't know how he could how see their tell lungs. That? Yeah, I don't know how he could see their lungs and their heart and their blood. Yeah. Okay. So creepy. Um, unfortunately, with all these experiments, um, this whole thing failed to produce any results that warranted any action. The viewer's information was too unclear and it wasn't detailed enough. So they couldn't really do anything with it. Yeah. So the CIA hired the American Institutes for Research to perform an evaluation of the results, and the two reviewers were Ray Hyman and Jessica Jessica Utz. Utz, 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 Utz. Jessica said that the results were statistically significant. However, Ray argued that nothing had been proven and the findings had yet to be replicated. So it's just kind of like... There were some things that hinted that it was working, but not enough to really prove anything to anyone. The CIA er, terminated the project after it was determined that a higher level of research and tighter controls were needed. And the official document says, quote, This study used different scoring techniques and procedures than than the more successful studies, which may be pertinent. So they're essentially, like, admitting that there is probably a better way that they could do this. And they could put tighter controls on it, and there could be a more solid protocol, but it's not really worth it anymore to them. Yeah. So they just kind of dropped it. David Goslin of the American Institute for Research said, quote, there is no document documented evidence that it had any value to the intelligence community. McMonagall says that the remote viewing program was ended mostly due to stigma. He says that, quote... 98% of other psychics are kooks. Wow, okay. He, like, is essentially, like, coming out and saying, like, I get why people aren't listening to me. I understand. 98% of these people are crazy, so it's fine. Which, like, if you're yeah. willing if, if you're willing to admit that, that gives you, like, an additional level of sanity, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. He also apparently has a book. I didn't write it down. Let me see. What is it called? Um, oh, Mind Trek, Exploring Consciousness, Time, and Space Through Remote Viewing. Interesting. Yeah. Um, oh, he also wrote The Ultimate Time Machine, A Remote Viewer's Perception of Time and Predictions for the New Millennium. So he wrote some books on this, I guess. I would love to know what his predictions are. Yeah, I would, I would definitely like to read what he wrote. All right, so... (laughs) Later in 2001 and 2002, the UK government did a study on 18 untrained subjects. And this was disclosed in 2007 after a freedom of information request in the UK. The study recorded the electrical and magnetic field around each viewer to see if brain activity caused certain fields to be emitted from the brain. Ooh. 
That's interesting. Yeah. So they're essentially just like running EMF meters over yeah. these people's heads as they're like remote viewing, I guess. Apparently, there were some, quote, narrow band electric fields that were detected during the viewings, but it was determined to be from an external source. Hmm. So that's disappointing. Yeah. Um, no actual remote viewing activity happened during the study, and there was no evidence that the viewers had ex- had access to the targets. So the project was abandoned. This is in 2002. That is so sad. So the U.S. tried it. The U.S. said, we're going to give $20 million to you and you can experiment on this. And they fucked it up. (laughs) There wasn't enough evidence. There wasn't the right protocols in place. There was no structure to it. And then essentially the U.K. tried to do the same thing. And again, there just wasn't enough evidence. So... At this point, there's not much that we can say about it because there's no, like, the right experiments just haven't been done, right. in my opinion, you know? Right. Um, and there's been, like, a whole bunch of organizations that have done experiments on remote viewing, but almost all of them have invalidating flaws, apparently. Um, there's always, or there's typically a lack of controls and precautions to rule out the possibility of fraud. Um, And psychologist Ray Hyman says that parapsychologists have not come close to having a positive theory on what guides viewers to control what they see and what to ignore. So when, like, they're remote viewing, there's not really a guide on, you know, if you get an image in your mind's eye, if you're supposed to ignore that or if you're just supposed to keep going. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I recognize that there are still a lot of people out there, like, trying to do experiments. Um, I know that there are classes that you can take, but I think that, like... From what I was looking up, there's not really a definitive guide on it. There are people who are able to teach it to other people, but none of it's really structured mm-hmm. from what I've seen. Um, I don't know how true that is. If anybody like has gone through a remote viewing class or like knows how to remote view or has experienced it or knows somebody who knows that, I would like love to hear from you because in my research, I just like couldn't find anything to really go off of. And maybe that's why... This is such an alien topic to people. Yeah, yeah. And like, even during like one of, during the interview that Ingo Swan did that I watched, he mentioned how like native people are more connected to these abilities and typical Americans just haven't figured it out. Right. Which like, yeah, I mean, human ability and like our capability obviously goes further than what we already know of. We can't just sit here and be like, well, this is it. Yeah. So anyway. I would love to try remote viewing. I would, like, love to learn how to try how to do it. Um, I'd love to, like, fuck around with it. Apparently anyone can learn it. You don't need to have, like, some kind of crazy psychic ability or, like, powers given to you by an extraterrestrial. You can, like, literally <laughs> learn how to do it. Um, but when I looked it up, there was, like, an instructional page. And it said, difficulty, hard, time required, up to six hours. And I was like, okay. <laughs> Yikes. So, like, apparently it's a lot of work. And it's not like it's not like one of those things where you get into an altered state. You're not supposed to get into an altered state. You're supposed to be like aware of what's going on around you mm-hmm. so that so that you can transmit that stuff onto paper and you can write it down and you can remember it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like Ingo Swan described it as like driving a car. Like when you're driving a car and you kind of zone out a little bit, that's not safe. Weird. Yeah. So (laughs) if you're interested in learning more about this, there's a ton of stuff about it. Um, You can read the CIA document online. If you Google it, there's the FOIA Act um, Mm -hmm. page. It's got some really cool stuff in it. 
You can also check out cryptoviewing.com, which is that company that I brought up at the beginning that that remote views cryptocurrency. Yeah. On their like introduction page, there's a short like seven minute video that describes like examples of successes that have happened in their group and the experiments, you know, or the experiences of the guy who founded the group. Um, and it's just really interesting. Also wow. watch Hellier. Yes, definitely watch Hellier. Yeah. At the very least. <laughs> yeah, definitely watch Hellier. I think that like, I think that after watching Hellier and researching this, it like gives you a more like, without spoiling anything, it gives you like a more clear understanding of the experiments that the Hellier team did. Yeah. Okay. With like their Gansfield experiments and all that. So that's remote viewing. Wow, that was interesting. Thank you so much. You are welcome. Yeah. I know, yeah, like I said, um, I like briefly read about it when I was doing Project Pegasus because like that was one of the first things that they tried was remote viewing to the past. Yeah. Um, before they got all of their time machines up and running. So mm-hmm. that's really cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Neat. Yes. Wow. Amazing. Yeah. Lots to think about. Yeah, definitely lots to think about. And uh, like I said, if you have experience with remote viewing or if you know somebody who remote views or anything like that, you can let us email know. us. Yeah, email us, DM us, whatever. I want to hear about it. Wow. Great. All right. All right. I'm going to take a minute. You okay. Go pee. Yeah. I'll be back. We are stoked to tell you about our first sponsor, Anchor. If you're like us and you want to start a podcast but have no idea where to start, listen up. So when we first decided to start a podcast, we were looking for a way to put your brain on weird out to the most people um, without having to do the most work. We are so happy that we found Anchor because they distribute our show to apps like Spotify and Apple Podcasts for us. This means that our listeners can find us wherever they already listen without having to download anything new. Once you're ready to get going, just create an account and start recording. They have the tools you need to record and edit your podcast. You can even edit on the go from your phone. Anchor has everything you could possibly want, including free transition sounds and photos that you can use to build your show. Not only that, but you can start making money as soon as you release your first episode. The best part is that all of this is free. So if you want to make a podcast, go to anchor.fm and get started today. That's A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M. By supporting them, you're supporting podcasts like us, too. Dude, so while you're in the bathroom, I, like, opened up the mail that Aaron came in with while we were recording um liminal earth sent me their oracle deck (gasps) what sick oh my god that's so amazing i love that yeah yeah i'm really fucking excited thank you you guys i know that i know that some of them i know that like uh jeremy and some of the guys from there and like some of their ambassadors listen to our show so jeremy i'm really fucking excited Thank you guys so much. Holy shit. Oh my god. I'm gonna open it right now and pull a card because why the hell not? Yeah. Yeah. Um, do it. Do it. Do it. I gotta get my brain really together for cool. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I was like, I saw the box and I was like, what the hell is this? <laughs> I didn't order anything. Yeah, I was like, I don't think I ordered anything. Six, 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 six. The Oracle of the Hypogeum. Ooh, ooh, there's a little guide in here. <gasps> Where did you come from? Where did you go? Ooh, they're pretty. 
Oh, I love that. It's so pretty. Wow, these are really nice. These shuffle, these shuffle real good. Every day we shuffle land. <laughs> Ooh, Cesar, Nightshade and the Devil's Club, the Wondrous. Ooh, what is that? Okay, I'm gonna have to look this up later. Sick. Right. Sick. Are you ready to <laughs> educate me? Yes. Yes. All right. So today's medication, I am going to be talking about the difference between smoking weed and ingesting weed. Oh, okay. Sick. I do both. Yes. (laughs) So obviously, um, we know that marijuana has some health benefits and you can still get those health benefits without smoking. You know, smoking does irritate the mouth, the throat, lungs. There are still carcinogens that you inhale when you burn any sort of plant material and inhale it so this is this is like uh reasons to eat weed rather than to smoke it yeah yeah so i know you know this but smoking versus um ingesting marijuana produces different effects on your body and that is because when you smoke weed Your body converts non-psychoactive THC, the major component in marijuana, into Delta-9 THC, which produces that high that you normally get from smoking. Um, You know, you're feeling, like, lethargic, giggly, you get the munchies, like, stuff like that. But when you eat marijuana, your body actually converts the THC into Delta-11 THC. So... It's a just a slightly different compound, the way your body uh, breaks it down. And this produces uh, a different effect for both your mind and your body. And it's considered a lot more beneficial than smoking okay. um, for health reasons. Yeah, I'm going to smoke some right now. Yes, do it. So one of the obviously like the biggest things about um, eating it is that the high lasts way longer. Oh, yeah. So when you smoke... You inhale it into your lungs and it gets into your bloodstream like very quickly. You feel the effects of being high within a minute or two and the high will typically last between like one to three hours depending um, on like the amount of food you eat and and, like, you know, your blood sugar and shit like that. Mm -hmm. So when you eat it, the high doesn't take effect until your body starts digesting it obviously, Um, but that can take up to three hours, Mm -hmm. depending on how full or empty your stomach is. Um, But the, because your body doesn't um, digest your food just like all at once. Yeah. You you have like the elongated effect of your digestive system doing its work and slowly absorbing the THC into your body. So you can feel high for up to seven hours and beyond. Because that's, I guess, how long your digestion takes. That makes sense? I guess so. Um, People who eat marijuana find a lot more relief from anxiety and pain. And it creates a more desirable effect for those two things specifically rather than smoking. Mm -hmm. Another thing that you won't get from eating is the post-high crash. You know, sometimes you smoke too much and you start feeling grumpy um, because you're starting to come down from it. 
but because when you eat it, it's like slower acting, it takes longer to get into your system, it also takes longer to ease out of your system as well. So when you smoke, THC is distributed to your body via your lungs, and it mostly affects your brain. But when you ingest it, the soothing effects of THC and additional cannabinoids uh, actually directly affect your body rather than just your brain. So you're going to get a lot more um, of like a body feeling. You're going to get, like I said, uh, relief from pain and uh, anxiety from that. Obviously, if you don't smoke, you're not going to get throat damage, mouth gum damage, or lung damage, things like that. Yeah, I mean, like, I feel like like one of Jeff's friend's dad's used to love to smoke, but, like, can't anymore because it's just not good for him for, like, a multitude of reasons. And, like, even though it's not tobacco, like, yeah, smoking is, like, still bad for you. But, like, he, like, literally has figured out the perfect recipe for his brownies, and he just makes brownies now. Perfect. like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hell yeah. It's definitely, like, a great alternative for, like, people who just, like, decide not to smoke for whatever reason, which, like, good on you, honestly, because, like, ugh. Like, obviously, like, I, like, have issues with my throat and, like, coughing all the fucking time. (laughs) And when I'm sick, I can't smoke for whatever reason, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, like, even if you are also a smoker and you're just wanting to add this into your consumption, it's a really good way to um, use up, like, the non-smokable bits of the weed that you have. Oh, yeah. You know, so you can use basically the entire plant but it's mostly the leaves the smaller stems from uh like the the flower buds that you get um the sugar leaves because all of those you don't really want to smoke they're not flower but Mm -hmm. they still contain you know thc in them that can activate when you ingest them yeah so it's a good good way to use up like your scrap product and things like that yeah we used to make a uh, tea out of our stems like we used to collect our stems yeah. in a jar and then we would just like boil them with our tea and like that was oh my god there was one time we did that and <laughs> i was like mm, all right tone it down next time <laughs> yikes yeah <laughs> i was like i'm no i like needed to go take a nap i was like i can't do this oh man yeah so i mean i don't really <sighs> man when i take edibles i am almost guaranteed to take a nap yeah me too me too it it affects me like really really strongly and uh one of the things is if you are interested in having an edible you need to take it slow and drink water yes drink tons of water even if you are a regular smoker but you haven't done a lot of edibles in the past you like you will still basically be like brand new at it because of Mm -hmm. the way your body digests the thc and converts it into the different compounds yeah like i'm gonna tell you right now like i don't i honestly don't really like the high that i get from like ingesting it versus the high that i get from smoking it and like i don't know if that's because i just haven't figured out the right dose for myself because i've never taken the time to do it and like that's very true it like affects you completely differently because like I'm not I'm not trying to like flex or anything like that, but like <laughs> I'm pretty confident I can outsmoke most people at this point. Right, right. But <laughs> but if somebody gave me like 
a huge fucking brownie, I'd be like, okay, no, no, no. I'm going to bite a corner off. <laughs> and see how I feel yeah. in an hour. <laughs> and, like, then see if I want more. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, like, you see all the memes, the memes that are going around where it's like, this edible ain't shit. And then, like, <laughs> as soon as you start talking shit, man, as soon as you start saying, oh, man, this isn't working, or maybe I need to go smoke a little bit because this isn't doing anything, as soon as you think that, I guarantee you, like, 10 to 20 minutes, Minutes later, it's just gonna psh, right in the face, and you're gonna be like, yeah. you're gonna be like, I need a nerve. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes, yes. So, if you're trying to uh, ingest marijuana, take it slow. Um, I obviously always recommend going to a dispensary to get your weed and your edibles. Most dispensaries sell uh, edibles in the form of chocolate bars or some sort of gummies i haven't really seen them do too many crazy things mm. um but they will have the exact amount of thc right on the label um so if you get a 25 milligram chocolate bar or whatever you can start off by breaking small squares off and you know exactly what your dose is and you know exactly how much you need to eat or want to eat um to do it safely because if you get too high, you can always invest in the help of CBD, which counteracts the THC like we talked about. Nice. And um, it, it will get you less high, but you probably don't want to get to that point anyways. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, you know, take it slow. Uh, <laughs> you know, make sure you know exactly what you're getting yourself into and uh yeah be prepared to not to not drive or do anything like that because you're gonna yes. be out for a bit yes don't operate heavy machinery maybe you know go for a nice walk something like that don't put yourself under too much stress take a nap <laughs> take a nap yeah exactly <laughs> but uh yeah so that is some of the benefits of ingesting marijuana versus smoking it. Word. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah. Oh my god. I haven't made I was I was thinking about making um like weed cookies or something sometime soon. Maybe I will. But the, yeah. that's the thing is that the the issue with making making stuff at home is like it's hard to figure out what amount you're putting into what you're making so it's not like when you yeah. buy something and it has the like how many milligrams of it are like on there it's kind of hard to figure out how many milligrams you're putting into your own stuff yeah exactly the other thing is just it's really fucking hard like my mom my mom asked me like a while ago like hey how do i do this like how do how do i make like brownies out of this stuff or like how do i make like, what do I do? Do I just put them in there? And I was like, no, you got to, like, decarb your weed first. You got to, like, put put it in some fat and, like, boil off the fat and, like, strain it. And she was just like, this is too much work. Like, I'm not doing this. I'm just going to go and buy, like, buy some. I was like, okay, yep, just go to Just go to a dispensary. It's, like... <sighs> it's expensive, but, like, honestly, mm, worth The time it. and effort that you're going to, like put into it it's probably gonna end up being the same especially if you like True. mess it up and then you end up yeah. throwing away like a pound and a half of coconut oil or something and you're Ugh. like well or weed or like, weed <laughs> i guess you fuck up your weed and then it's just like oh <laughs> the worst yes yeah so that okay. would be really tragic so take it easy if that's what you decide to do yeah <laughs> but yeah so that that is it. I feel medicated. I'm glad. Not just because I'm smoking weed, but because I'm educated. Wow, I am also 
Medicated. <laughs> Thanks for listening to another episode of Your Brain on Weird. Yeah! <laughs> um, oh yeah, we- another good one. We yeah, that was a really good one. We will have a little weird coming out in another week. A little bit more than a week, I think. A little bit a little over next week. Wednesday. Yes, not this Wednesday. So once this episode comes out, it will be this Wednesday. It will be a few days from yes. the episode this day comes out. Oh hell yeah! Okay, yeah. I fucking love those episodes. I love doing those. Me too. It's dude. just like a complete yes. fucking free for all. <laughs> Yeah, so um, if you want your story featured on um, our episode of Little Weird, send them to us. You can email us at yourbrainonweird at gmail.com. You can DM us on Instagram at weird, no, YBOW pod. <laughs> yeah, so you can find us on Instagram. You can DM us on Twitter at weird underscore pod. Find us on Facebook message us if you like our content and you want more content bonus content bonus you can subscribe to our patreon page we are still having issues with people being able to find our page so if you just type in patreon.com forward slash your brain on weird it will pop right up mm-hmm. um yeah for some reason searching it hasn't been working for like a yeah, bit so I don't yeah know what's up so with that. we don't know what's up with that but but it does exist but it does exist and we are extremely grateful to our patrons who already subscribe to us oh actually yeah i wanted to hold on i'm sorry really quick while we're still recording um we we gave like a shout out to a few of our patreon patrons last week um but since then we've had a couple more people subscribe so i didn't want them to feel left out i wanted to give a shout out to william and to trill yay appreciate you both so much we appreciate all of you um i like I'm still just so fucking excited that you guys are supporting us and we have a lot of stuff planned for you once things balance out a little more. So yeah, yeah. lots lots to look forward to, lots of stuff to come, and I'm really excited about it. Yeah. All right. Sick. Well, all right. Anything else? No, I think that's it. Okay. Well, thank you so much for listening once again. And uh, I'm Jess. I'm Sam. And, and this, this has been, been- <laughs> Your Brain on Weird. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>